Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to This League Uncut. In the world of 24-hour NBA news, this news you lose. Chris Haynes, it's go time. Mark Stein, it's showtime. This league uncut is underway and on fire. This should be a good one. Hello, friends. Thursday afternoon, as Chris and I tape this latest edition of this league uncut. The finals are over. The 2022-23 season is in the books. Trade season, or at least the chatter it generates, is already underway. The Denver Nuggets championship parade is raging right now as we speak, as we tape. And we will get to the Nuggets eventually. We will put a bow on their title run, the first championship in that franchise's 47 season run in the NBA. And of course, there were nine glorious seasons before that in the ABA first title in more than 50 years for Denver. We will, I promise, get to that. But first, we got to start with the trade chatter because it has been so aggressive already. You just say trade season. Do we got to spell that with a S-Z-N? Like I tweeted out a couple pieces before we started taping this. I feel a little I feel a little too old to be saying trade season and spell it S-Z-N. Stein, if anybody can get away with it, that's 45 and older. You you, you can you can do that. So you, you get a I don't pass. Even remember, I don't even remember 45. <laughs> I, try to, a, I try to be nice. <laughs> that was a long, that was, that was almost a decade ago. I try to be nice. Let's just jump right into it. Bradley Beal. I think the situation is... More advanced than it's been described. I think the end is near. Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard, Draymond Green, all drafted in 2012. With Udonis Haslam retiring now, those three are tied for the third longest tenure with one team. The only players who've been with their teams longer, the Splash Brothers. Stephen Curry drafted in 2009. Clay Thompson drafted in 2011. Those are the only two players with a longer longevity run 
Then Bradley Beal in Washington, Damian Lillard in Portland, Draymond Green, yet another warrior. At this point, you know, Dame Lillard, his name keeps coming up. We have no indication yet that there's any real, real trade smoke there. But Bradley Beal, to me, the trade smoke is very, very, very legit. What do you see? I agree. I think, um, you know, you look at the, there's a new regime over there. There's a new um, general manager over there in charge of the basketball operations over there, Michael Winger. So you have to understand that when changes like that are made, oftentimes they want to establish a new team, establish a new identity, a new culture. And that often leads to personnel changes on the roster. And Bradley Beal being the mainstay there, the Wizards were not going anywhere. They haven't went anywhere in a while. And so if that's going to be the case, I mean, I think it's obvious to look at some form of a, of a rebuild. And I think, well, that's not a thing. Bradley Beal doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild. And that's why we're you know, in the situation we are in now. This is the realest that it's ever been with Bradley Beal. And I think that's what needs to be relayed out there. Like we, we've heard of Bradley Beal talk over the last few years, linking him to the Lakers or to the Miami Heat. You know, that's been going on for the last three, four years. This is as real as it's gotten. Let me know what you think. But Stein, I would be surprised if he's a member of the Wizards going into next season. Do you have that? Are you, are you that, do you feel that strongly about it as well? I do. I agree with you because the crazy part about this, though, is Bradley Beal holds pretty much all the cards, which is makes this such a unique situation. I wish I could remember exactly how old I was when I first heard the term no trade clause. And it was I know I was pretty young because in baseball, it was it was a thing. Uh, you know, I was a, baseball was my first love. Uh, you know, I want to say early by the early 80s, the, the prospect of the no trade clause in baseball was starting to to get uh, more prevalent. Um, like I said, I I really should have researched this better. It might have even been late 70s in baseball. But in the NBA, I've written about this a bazillion times because I've always found this a pretty interesting subject in the NBA. A no trade clause is so hard to come by. You have to have eight years of service time. And four with the same team. But the wrinkle that makes it tough is it can only be in a new deal. And most of the best players in the league, they do extensions. They play out their rookie scale. They play it, pay up, play out their rookie scale deal. Then they do a rookie scale extension. Then, you know, they typically extend off of that. Like you have to get all the way to unrestricted free agency to get a no trade clause to add it into a new new deal. And that's exactly what Bradley Beal did last summer. He went to unrestricted free agency and then signed that massive five-year, $251 million deal with the Wizards. And the Wizards, they gave him a trade kicker, 15%, and they gave him the no-trade clause. And it is the only full no-trade clause on the NBA map. And because Ted Leonsis blessed that last year, Bradley Beal and his agent, Mark Bartlestein, they are in control of this. The Wizards cannot trade Bradley Beal unless he blesses it. And I think as we've seen, because, you know, you mentioned, you know, there was talk last year. Will he try to go to the Lakers? Will he try to go to the Heat? 
you know, Bradley Beal has stuck with the Wizards his whole career. He's not just going to go anywhere. He's not just going to say yes to the deal Washington wants to make that might bring Washington back the most in terms of assets. By all accounts, Miami, that is the team that is most intriguing to Bradley Beal. Maybe others will emerge as this process goes on farther. But at this point, it's not the Knicks. I don't think Boston or Philly, I don't think either one of those Eastern powers is even pursuing this. You know, Miami right now, that's the team. And because of that no trade clause, it really puts Washington in this brutal position of they're probably going to, and you know what, whether it's Miami or someone else, even if some other team emerges, Miami's going to have to consider trade proposals that they probably would not have considered because, again, Bradley Beal is the ultimate decision maker here. I would throw Brooklyn in there as well as a team okay. that interesting could potentially get in the mix if Beal approved it. Uh, you know, that's again, you talked on just how scarce it is for an NBA player to have that no trade clause. So that eliminates a lot of teams. So I, I know like fans like to, you know, they love rumors. They love rumors. They like nuggets. They like the details. They like to stay on top of how things are progressing. But with the Bills situation, we have that no trade clause. It's going to eliminate a lot of those potential rumors out there. And it, it's going, it, it could be boring. I don't know. I don't know if this is something that's going to play out where he's linked to the Mavericks. He's linked to here. He's linked to here. There. Those reports still may get out, but they might not hold validity because of the power that Bill holds in it. And so, you know, that that's one thing to be, you know, but I, I expect over the course of over the weekend leading into next week, we'll see a few teams start emerging in the Bill sweepstakes. And then we'll we also will hear may start hearing about teams that Bill doesn't want to go to as well. That can very much happen. I remember when um, Anthony Davis was requesting his trade in New Orleans, and he didn't have a no trade clause. It wasn't like that. But I reported, it was probably oh, a few weeks before the trade deadline, I reported that he had no interest in being traded to the Boston Celtics. I remember because at that time the Celtics were in play. And so a lot of times what that does when, 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 when the word gets out that a player is not interested, it it messes up their, it messes up their value. And then teams start to think, well, is it worth having a, is it worth bringing a player like AD over because he may just bounce at the end of the year? Like, is it worth trading away all those assets for a year rental? We've seen what happened with Toronto. For them, it semi-worked out because they got a championship out of it with, with Kawhi Leonard. But those are things you have to weigh in. Those are the type of stories or developments that could come out of the process of, of us continuing to monitor Bradley Bill's situation. Yeah, you said it. You know, AD, the hammer AD had was, if I get traded somewhere I don't want to go, I'm just going to leave in free agency at the first opportunity. But this hammer that Beal has really is the mightiest hammer you can have because, uh, you know, he can block the trade. It was the end of May when Washington struck the deal to hire 
Michael Winger to basically take over Monumental Sports. He has oversight of both the Wizards and the WNBA's Mystics. And, you know, from that point in rival front offices, this expectation has been building that a teardown was likely, that the Wizards were going to go on this aggressive path to remake the roster. And obviously that starts with Bradley Beal. And look, I think in a perfect world, the Wizards would love to know that they could get draft picks and cap relief. But again, because Beal holds so much sway here with that no trade clause, it's going to force the Wizards to look at proposals that they just nor they they wouldn't even consider if they had more leverage and ability here. But it will make it a lot easier if uh, it would be a lot easier if if Bradley Beal would tell us exactly where he is or isn't willing to go. But I'm going to leave it to <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to leave it up to a reporter like Chris Haynes to get to the bottom of that. Which uh, I'm actually going to I actually I'm not a betting man, but I'm going to bet on Haynes to be among those who. Uh, among those who very likely will figure out exactly where Mr. Beal does and doesn't want to go. But it's it's funny how you said <laughs> how much the people, you know, love these kind of stories. Today in Dallas, we had huge news locally where Norm Hitchkiss, who is an absolute institution locally, he's been on Dallas radio for nearly 50 years. I mean, you know, he had the first morning show in Dallas in terms of sports and, and one of the first in the country. I remember seeing him on ESPN baseball broadcast before I moved to Dallas. And, uh, you know, I've lived here a quarter century now. And, he, you know, he's been on the radio that whole time. Just he's Norm Hitchkiss is a Dallas sports franchise unto his unto himself. When I posted my congratulatory note to Norm after he announced his retirement, the first response on Twitter when is your next pod discussing Mavericks trade and draft chatter? So that just that tells you uh, nobody nobody has time for nobody has time for sentiment right now or anything else. They want they want the trade talk, and they are quick with it. It makes me believe that they got that in draft. So no matter what you tweet, you could have tweeted "rest in peace" to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> we don't care about that. Where's <laughs> Yeah. Where, where's Chris Paul going? <laughs> Don't even think about. Yeah, it's funny you brought him up too. I got a call from a team today. What do you know about Chris Paul? What is Haynes telling you about Chris Paul? I'm like, Haynes. What Haynes is telling me is what's on the pod. Everything we've said on the pod. That's what I listen to the pod. That's what I said. <laughs> that's a good way to bring him in, Star. That's a good way. Bro. I'm trying. I don't know if it works, but that's I'm a good trying. Way. So look, Bradley Beal. Um, on one hand, you know that he, that. It's a five-year, $251 million deal. So look, any team that's trading for him, you really have to do some serious numbers crunching to, to fit him in because in this new CBA, you know, that's really my question with the Heat that, okay, maybe Bradley Beal is going to want to go to Miami and maybe that's the direction this is going to go. But what kind of deal can the Heat assemble to bring in Bradley Beal as basically your third guy. Their two main guys are going to stay Jimmy and Bam. This is Jimmy's team and Bam out of bio with the defense he plays, the, you know, the, the interior anchor that he is. I mean, 
That's the twosome where it all starts. If you're bringing in Bradley Beal at that number, again, in this new CBA, it's going to be really tough to put a balanced roster around three guys making that kind of money. So to me, I do wonder, is this the direction that Miami really wants to go? And I think it is at this point, but I throw in the disclaimer that, okay, does someone else they like better than Bradley Beal become available? And the natural name to throw out is Dame. But again, as we speak, as we're recording this on the afternoon of June 15th, Damian Lillard to this point is not in trade play for Miami or anyone else. So at this point, I do think Beal is at the top of Miami's list, but it is fluid. Things could change if Dame or someone else they like becomes available. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's move to the first big potential, underline the word potential, trade story that emerged after the NBA Finals. We are, as we're recording this, we're one week away from the NBA draft on June 22nd. New Orleans' interest in Scoot Henderson has become a significant talking point. A lot of people around the league are buzzing about this. And the reality is the Pelicans, they have the 14th pick. And to make sure they have a shot at Scoot Henderson, they would need the number two pick. 
Because the Hornets, who hold number two, are still deliberating between Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller. Which one of those players would they draft if the Hornets keep the pick? They've kind of kept the league off balance. Some days you hear it's going to be Scoot. Some days you hear it's going to be Miller. That's obviously by design. The Hornets are trying to keep teams off balance. But the talk is, and you know, I went into I went into this in depth with a story on Wednesday. And based on what I'm hearing, yes, the Pelicans are legitimately considering. Doesn't mean they would 100% do it, but they are considering the prospect of trying to assemble a deal for Charlotte's number two pick that would feature Zion Williamson. And at first blush, you say, wait a minute, four, only four years removed from Zion going number one overall, New Orleans would actually seriously consider trading him. And again, the word I'm hearing is yes, it's something that they are weighing. What do you see in the Fresno crystal ball here? Could you see New Orleans actually parting with Zion to get up to number two in the draft or number three? You know, Portland is the other kind of variable here, but if you trade for number three, you might not get Scoot. Charlotte might stay on two, might hold firm and take Scoot Henderson at number two. So look into your crystal ball. What do you see, Mr. Haynes? I think the only way, well, well first of all, let me ask you, ask, answer your first question. Do I think they could move Zion? Yes, I do. Zion's availability has been an issue. You know, there have been questions about how he has, how he has attacked his several rehab stints. So you have that. And then you just have the, the urgency of the Pelicans. They're trying to win. They're trying to do something now. So you, you, you put all that out there. That leads me to believe, yes, I do agree that they would consider moving him. Now, when it comes to moving up to try to get Scoot, unless Charlotte lets everybody knows that they're going with Brandon, which I don't think Charlotte should do, I don't think they will do. I think you keep that very close to the vest to give yourself the, the, the opportunity to get the best deal possible to, to get New Orleans to, to want to do a deal with you opposed to a deal with the Blazers at number three. And so I, I think um, from New Orleans' standpoint, if they really want Scoop, they have to figure out a deal to get that second pick. And that's what I think Charlotte should hold close to the vest. And um, New Orleans, they've been looking for, they've been in need of a point guard. You know, CJ's been playing that position, but he's more of an, of an off guard. And I, I don't know, does, will that make New Orleans better? You know, Scoot, look, I had to, I was invited to um, Scoot's. He had a personal workout in Atlanta last week, but I was covering, I was covering game three or game four of the finals and I couldn't make it. But just from the video footage that I watched from a couple of his workouts, man, the guy, I mean, body-wise, he's NBA ready. You know, he's like he's really, he's really a physical specimen already. And he's played in the G League. And he's 19, and a lot of 19-year-olds are not ready day one in the NBA. But the fact that he's played against grown men already, I think that puts him a step above probably his, his counterparts. So with that being said, I... If New Orleans really wants that, I think they got to go. They got to trade for that number two pick. I don't think you can mess around and try to wait and hope 
that he falls to number three and try to do something with Portland. I think that would be a catastrophic move. You've always been plugged into the Scoot Henderson camp. He's never going to admit it. They're never going to publicly say, but just if you were surmising, we'll use that word instead of speculating, would he be excited to land in New Orleans? You think that's something that would appeal to him? You know, I, I haven't I haven't spoken with him since this had, this has surfaced. Um, before it was just Charlotte and New Orleans, and I know he's a big Dame fan, and you know I think at some point Dame and Scoot might talk in the near future. Hmm. But so yeah, I, I haven't I haven't spoken to them uh, in recent days since this news surfaced about New Orleans. So I really I don't know how he feels about it. I guess though he's been he has been pretty outspoken about the Portland thing, hasn't he? Like he yeah. he wants to he's convinced that he can he can become if that if he ended up with the Blazers that he could play next to Dame and be an instant contributor. For sure, he he wants he wants to play next to Dame. He wants to play next to Dame. So um, it, it, you know Dame has a decision. You know I know this is a Scoot New Orleans topic, but you know Dame kind of it, it, a, a nice segue into into what Dame is going to do. You know, he has a decision to make. Is is he going to be happy with the number three pick? Uh, Blazers also have, I believe, the 23rd pick as well. So it's like Portland, they can do a few things. Like if they keep the number three, if Dame feels good about the possibility of him and Scoot being able to work together and he thinks that, you know, Scoot can take help take this team to the next level, then there's other packages that Portland could look into trading the number 23 pick along with we've been hearing, you know, Anthony Simon's name being available. The Simons and the number 23 get you get you a a good quality starter, borderline all-star player. Does it? I don't know. And so uh, the, Portland has a lot. They got a lot of decisions to weigh. But as it pertains to Scoop, you know, he believes he's ready. Day one, he believes he's prepared. He believes he's confident. Kid, yeah, very confident. He believes he's prepared more than anybody in this draft class. And so, for for New Orleans standpoint, that bodes well for them if they're able to make that happen. The thing is with Zion. So let's transition to Zion. Thing with Zion. One one thing teams are telling me is that no doubt when Zion's healthy, he's a specimen. He's unstoppable. You know, the, the sheer force that he provides in that painted area and on the offensive end, he just overpowers everyone. But one thing teams want to see is his medicals. That is going to be very, very important. Teams getting to look at his medicals and then deciding from there what to do. I don't know what those medicals look like. I don't know the story that that's going to tell. But if these trades talks pertaining to Zion. I'm not saying a trade talks because it's just, this is right now is just New Orleans would consider. But if it gets really serious, teams are going to have to look at the medicals. And then from there, once one team looks at the medicals and, and if say, say, say for example, say the medicals are, they're bad. They just do not look good. It's going to get out there. And then that's going to mess up the trade value for the Pelicans in general as it pertains to Zion Williamson. So that's that's like steps further down the road if we get to it. I'm just trying to give fans a little peek inside how these things work. Yeah, look, I get the question. I've So many of my readers on my Substack have been asking me to try to gauge 
Zion's value. And it's really hard to do that because, yes, you know, like you said, you just look at the pure numbers. When Zion's on the floor, he averages 26 on nearly 61% shooting from the field. I mean, you can't be more efficient offensively than he is. You know, his rebounding, to me, that's always been an area that he needs to, you know, deliver more. That's an area where he can certainly improve. But we also saw in New Orleans early this season when he was rolling and the Pelicans were rolling that, you know, he can play make too. So, I mean, he has considerable offensive gifts, but then there's just no way to get around the fact he's only played in 114 out of 308 possible regular season games. There's just no way to dodge that. And the two main things I can add, the reason why this is a consideration for New Orleans, why they are weighing the prospect of trading Zion Williamson after just four years together. You know, as one trusted league observer put it to me, there is a rising level of exasperation within the Pels organization about those availability issues, about the way he has approached the game. But the other thing, and this is this is just as significant, it really appears that if the Pels were forced to consider trading Zion or trading Brandon Ingram, they're much more apt to trade Zion at this point, that Ingram has reached a level in that organization where he is considered the safer from a trade when looking at those two guys. So those are those are two significant developments. And look, we've spent the first half hour of this pod. You know, the season has been over for minutes. And again, the, the championship parade is going on as we're recording this. And already Zion Williamson, Bradley Beal in potential trades. I think that speaks to what kind of offseason in terms of player movement we are likely in for. It is not a stellar free agent class. Spending money for free agency is very limited. It's only a few teams that have significant cap space and they're not contending teams. So I don't know what we're going to get in terms of free agent fireworks, but the prospect of trades connected to next week's draft right after next week's draft before the NBA calendar year moves to 2023-24, and even in July, trades, trades, trades. I think we're going to see a fair few. So buckle up for that. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, 
the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Lastly, Mr. Haynes, I think we need to dedicate this edition of This League Uncut. And friends, as always, remember, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show via Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Please do that for us. But this episode, it must be, it must be said we're doing this with a serious hat tip to the Denver Nuggets, the NBA's New champions, first-time champions. The last time we did a pod, it was with the series score at 3-1. A very, very unsightly Game 5. Miami mucked the game up. Mucked with an M. Just as they would have wanted to. Made it ugly. Made it messy. Denver still finds a way. Finishes the series off. Nikola Jokic... NBA Finals MVP in an 11-0 runaway in that vote. No MVP debate in the finals. And, man, all I can say is, you tricked us, Denver. You tricked me. That 7-10 finish to the regular season, I paid way too much attention to it. It made me question whether the Nuggets were truly ready for a playoff run. It was all a ruse. They mowed through the postseason 16-4. and And critics will say, yeah, you know, they didn't play a top three seed, which has never happened in the, you know, in the the 16-team playoff era. And this was year 40 of that playoff era. And somehow they didn't play a number one seed along the way. But, you know, this was a se- this was a season I think you got to somewhat throw the seedings out. The Lakers made it to the conference finals as a number 7, but they were not a number 7 and they took out the defending champion Warriors to get to the West Finals. And Miami 
we can't look at them as your usual number eight after what they did to 58 win Milwaukee and 57 win Boston. So, you know, downgrade the Nuggets championship if you want because you think they didn't see enough powerhouses on the way. But come on, man. Nikola Jokic, age 28, first player in NBA playoff history to lead all players, total points, 600, total rebounds, 269, total assists, 190. Incredible coronation for the Nuggets, and uh, they shut a lot of people up. And again, as we're taping this, the parade is going on, and I'm seeing tweets while we record about, um, wow, Jokic with some, some curse action here. (laughs) <laughs> Nikola Jokic said to the roar of 500,000 plus fans in Denver. This is a tweet from our buddy, Mark Spears. Quote, I told them I didn't want to stay for the parade, but I bleeping want to stay for the parade. This is the best. This is amazing. <laughs> so there you go. Jokic Hi. now loves parades. Michael Malone's been talking smack all day long. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. I told you, Stein, our last pod, I said, listen, we're going to next pod, we're going to we're going to be congratulating the Denver Nuggets, congratulating Joker on winning finals MVP. And, you know, they're going to wrap it up in five. And they did. I didn't see anything left in Miami covering that series. I, I felt like the Miami Heat, they emptied their clip as small as a clip that they were dealing with. It was empty. They'd have nothing left. And Denver was just too much depth, too much talent. And Miami Heat worked hard. They worked their butts off. And that, that's probably one of the most hard, you know, hardest working teams in the league, especially the most hardest working team in the playoffs. I mean, I think that got them to this point. But at the end of the day, when you're the two last two teams standing, it's going to take hard work and it's going to take some talent and depth. And they just didn't have the, the latter two to be able to extend this series out. And so Denver Nuggets, man, you credit them. I've been seeing, like, people try to discredit the Nuggets run or diminish or devalue the competition they had or the run. All you can do is play the opponent that you're given. You know, that, that opponent, they had a path. They had to get through some obstacles to get to that point. I think it's weak to try to devalue the Nuggets championship, they're the champions. They were the best team. They were the best team in the regular season, all season long. They respected the course of the regular season. They were not about all this load management stuff. They went in and they had a plan and they executed. And so I applaud them. They were a fun team to watch. I hope people got a, got a chance to really see how valuable Nikola Jokic is. You know, that is a he's a great, great player that you should already have amongst the top centers of all time already. I'm going to let you say something, Stein, but I want to ask you about later about the all-time great centers, and I want to see if you agree with me or not. This is a conversation I was having with my brother a few days ago. But what do you think about the Denver Nuggets run? When you really look at it, the signals were there. And again, I, you know, I, I put myself high on the list. When they wobbled at the end of the regular season, 7-10 and 10 finish, I did start to ask those questions again about these guys. But the truth is, you know, they took 
sole possession of first place in the West on January 17th. They never relinquished it. So they basically were the top seed in the West for three months before the playoffs started. And that enabled them to, you know, that that certainly contributed to that kind of a wobble at the end. They maybe lost some focus because they knew they had the West wrapped up, but they mowed through the four teams in front of them. I really feel like Miami, the crusher for them, what any chance they had of winning the finals was lost when they got dragged to seven games by Boston. You go up 3-0 on Boston, finish them off in four, finish them off in five at worst, finish them off in six. If Miami does any of that, any one of those three options, the Heat can go to Denver early before the finals, get acclimated to the altitude, give themselves a better foothold in the series. They still won game two as it is, but yeah, I mean, the only game they won, they shot nearly 49% from three. The four games they lost, they were sub 35% from three in all four defeats. So the Nuggets earned every bit of this championship. Jokic was great. Murray was great. All the others were great. I mean, they had the best team and were trying to tell us that again. They tried to show they were they they gave us a lot of hints for three months before the playoffs and we just didn't want to see him. And, you know, now we'll see in this wild offseason who can close the gap because Denver Okay, Bruce Brown, they're in danger of not being able to re-sign him. But, you know, already you're hearing people kind of compare it to the Bobby Porter situation. Will Bruce Brown elect to stay with the Nuggets for possibly less money than he could make on the open market because he loves the situation so much, just like Bobby Portis did in staying with the Bucks after they won it all. But, you know, most likely Brown would be the only key departure from that team. So there's a lot of work for a lot of teams to do in the West just to close the gap. So, man, is it going to be a wild and crazy and busy offseason? These next, again, you know, maybe I, I hope I'm not jinxing it with all this hype. I really hope I'm not, but I don't think I am. I, I think we are going to see many, many, many trades. Stein, question I have for you now. Go for it. Already, we're just talking about what Nikola Jokic has done to this point. And then, you know, what we think he's going to continue to do for however many years. As of now, has he cracked your all-time top six center category? Has he cracked it? So the five ahead of him are Kareem, Russell, Wilt, Shaq. Who am I leaving out? I'm, I put Olajuwon in there. Yeah. That's five. I'll put it like this. He's absolutely an all-time great to me. And the only reason you could even say that he wouldn't be is because he's only won one title. You know, he's one for one in the finals. Let's see how many titles... He ends up with, but I, I, you know, what I feel even stronger about is it really bothered me that he wasn't in the top 75. I mean, he, to me, I did, I was not an official voter on the top 75, but to me, even at that point, he should have been a top 75 player 
and you know he he has a tremendous chance to ultimately crack the top five. You know, I guess we consider Duncan a power forward rather than a center, but there's no question. I mean, this guy is an all-time great, and um, he has nothing to prove to nobody at this point. Okay, Stein, I may be taking it another. Um, I may be taking it to a controversial place, but we do that here in this league, and this this, this is a podcast. We could leave if we could erase it if we want to. So let's act now and worry about the consequences later. All right, Stein. Bill Russell. One of the greatest winners of all time. Why is he a top five center of all time? Take winning out of it. I think defensively, he was such a game changer that he would, you know, offensively, you know, all those centers you named have better offensive credentials, but it's not just the winning with Russell. It is the defense. Block shots weren't even a thing when he played or when Wilt played. So it's like, we don't really have the raw statistical data to tell us how great these guys are. And we don't have the footage. This has always been one of my major, major complaints and laments about being an NBA fan and trying to be an NBA historian. Baseball was my first love. That was the first sport I was Mine too. really Mine introduced too. to. And what, but like even at a young age, like, you know, you're not even 10 years old and you know about Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and Ty Cobb and Bob Gibson and on and on. You know, I mean, I could name a zillion guys. You, you learn these stories as a baseball fan when you're so young. But in basketball, pardon me if I've told this story before, but it's important. I feel like I, you know, I can't tell it enough. When I started covering the L.A. Clippers halfway through the 93-94 season, Elgin Baylor was the general manager of the Clippers. And I remember the first extended conversation I had with Elgin. And I, and I said, I can't believe I've never really seen footage of you playing. You know, he retired during that amazing Lakers, early in that amazing Lakers season when they won 33 games in a row and won the title in 71-72. So I was only two or three. I, I didn't. I never got to see Elgin Baylor play. And when I told the Clippers that, a team official with the Clippers actually went to the league and paid NBA Entertainment to make like a 45-minute VHS tape of Elgin highlights. And I didn't get to keep the tape. I don't have it anymore. But they they let me borrow it and watch it, which was so cool to see just what was in the vault at the league. Because again, this this stuff it's we don't we do it's such a bad job with NBA history. So like Bill Russell, Wilt, like we we've seen nothing. You know, my age or your age, we've seen nothing from what these guys could really do. So. The number of rings Bill Russell has, you just, you cannot diminish it. You know, I, I love Akeem too. I would say if Jokic isn't there already, that he will pass Akeem. But I see a lot of our contemporaries, they rate Akeem higher than I do. So again, it's also eye of the beholder stuff too. You have to remember, Hakeem was, first of all, probably had the, the best footwork, at, um, that of a big, forget big, just best footwork, period. Um, as a ba- basketball player, even still to this day, I don't know. I don't see anybody who has the pivots like Hakeem did. Kobe, Michael Jordan, they were they were close. 
But the thing about Hakeem, he was dominant offensively, but he was dominant defensively too. I still, uh, you know, I still got Hakeem higher than Joker right now. But back to Bill Russell Stein, you know, Dikembe Mutombo was just defense. Alonzo Mourning, he earlier earlier in his years was a two way player, then transitioned to just being a defensive player. But for a center. Bill Russell, I believe. Let me look this up because I want to. I want to have it accurately. You know the, the the big man position, usually for centers, they average a field goal percentage career of fifty or higher. Do you know what Bill Russell's field goal percentage is for his career? Not off the top of my head. Hit me. His field goal percentage for his career is drum roll forty four percent from the field. Bill Russell was 6'10", 6'10 center, which, you know, that was that was center size back in those days. That does like that doesn't do anything. No, 44 percent doesn't from the field. It doesn't change. It doesn't change my feeling one ounce because I think field goal percentages were generally way lower in those days than they are now. But, but he but, wasn't playing. But, he but, wasn't shooting but not just He wasn't shooting But not threes, just not just that. Um, Justin Kubatko, who does a wonderful Substack called Statitudes. Justin is one of my favorite NBA historians and researchers, and uh, just fantastic with the numbers and the history of the game. Before the finals, he went back and did a piece. You know, the final NBA Finals MVP didn't start until. I believe 1969. So there were many, many years that the NBA didn't even do a finals MVP. Justin did a piece and went back and awarded the finals at the mythical finals MVP who his numbers said should have won the award all those years that the league didn't hand out a finals MVP trophy. And by Justin's very unofficial count, but I take it as pretty reliable that Russell would have won the finals MVP six times. So there's a reason why the finals MVP trophy is now named the Bill Russell NBA finals MVP trophy, because the man was a undeniable winner game changer. And you know what, for me, whenever I think about top 10, top five, top 20, whatever it is, I do think the off-court stuff does matter, and his impact on a social scale was so tremendous. I do think that factors in, even though it's not an on-court thing. It's like it's like Allen Iverson. You know, we could really analyze Allen Iverson's efficiency, and we could theoretically grade him down as an all-time great because of efficiency issues, but the cultural impact that Allen Iverson had to me, that is worth bonus points. He never won a championship. He got the, he got Philly to one finals, but his popularity and cultural impact. I do factor that in when I'm assessing Allen Iverson's career resume. And I think with Bill Russell, it's got to factor in also. I'm not even going to argue with you because this is, this is Bill Russell we're talking about. You could never win a situation. <laughs> you could never win an argument <laughs> if, if if people perceive you to be diminishing Bill Russell's legacy at all. So I'm gonna leave it there. But I that I remember I, I remember when I found that stat out 
I was like, 44% from the field? 6'10 center? You well, you know what's funny? Because you, you, it's funny that you bring that up. Because when, when I did my – I was not a voter on the top 75. And I actually regret it now. Like, in my New York Times years, I was at the Times for three and a half years. At the Times, we were not allowed to vote on anything official with the league because the Times philosophy was – we cover the story. We don't we don't participate in making the news. And so when I started my own Substack in July of 2021, I'm coming up on my two year anniversary here. I adopted the same policy and I basically said, I'm going to I'm no longer going to vote on any NBA awards. The league asked me to come back and be a voter. I said, no, I'm not going to do it. But when they asked me to do top 75, I said no. And I really regretted it because I do love the history of the game and that is one vote that I really do now wish I had broken my own rule to be a part of. And my 75 ended up being very different from the ultimate 75. But I remember I left off Dolph Shays, who was one of the initial greats in the league, in the very, very pre-Russell stages of the NBA. And I had some very prominent NBA historians come at me and and just crush me for saying, how could you not have Dolph Shays in your top 75? And I omitted Dolph Shays in large part because I did look at his field goal percentage and I'm pretty sure his career field goal percentage is sub 40. So that's why I say in those days, even big men didn't, you know, there were no Zions converting at 60% in the early <laughs> days of the NBA. So... Maybe I was too hard on Dolph Shays, and now that's kind of entering my thinking here when you bring up uh, Mr. Russell's field goal percentage. Okay. That's why, that's why I'm glad I'm speaking to an NBA historian, somebody who's covering the league way further than, you know, way earlier than I was. So I respect it. Respect. All right, everybody. That was not, that was not a lane I expected us to go on Trade Talk Thursday, but there you go. Weaved in some history Weaved in some Denver Nuggets championship celebrations, but yes, at the forefront, Bradley Beal, is this it? Is Washington finally going to trade him? Will the Pelicans actually trade Zion Williamson in connection with the NBA draft? Major, major questions to ponder. Chris and I will be back with you soon, and by the next time, we get together for one of these. There will no doubt be tons more transactional discussion to get into because the transaction game has fully taken over from the games themselves for the next two, three weeks at least. Summer League isn't too far in the distance. Chris Haynes and I will both be in Las Vegas we got a surprise in Vegas that we're working on. Can't reveal it yet, but I promise it will not disappoint. That does it for this edition of This League Uncut. Friends, again, please rate, review, subscribe to the pod so the gems that Mr. Haynes loves to reveal on this show come straight to your phone. That does it. Back again soon. Everybody, enjoy all the transactional talk out there. And that'll do it for us. See you next time. This League Uncut is an iHeartRadio production. Boom.
Shakalaka, Chris Haynes, and Mark Stein. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.